Father, again, uh, we thank you so much just for this uh, grand opportunity again, one more day. One more day that you gave us a chance to come into your house and to hear your words. Father, even as we reflect upon the many people who say that I'm going to go to church uh, one of these Sundays and never make it. So, Father, we are grateful to be here. We are glad to be uh, in the house of the Lord, in your house, amongst uh, your people, Lord. So, Father, we've come here not only to worship you, we've also come here to hear from you as well. Uh, because we need one more morsel of the bread of life in order to sustain us again and again to encourage us for this upcoming week, Lord. So we ask you that you would shower down your grace upon us, that you would shower down your love, and we ask you that you would give us understanding. And all those things that are in our minds and our hearts about uh, all that other stuff outside of this, Lord God, we pray that you would strike it down in Jesus' name. So we lift you up and we receive your word with gladness. Help us to walk in it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The Declaration of Independence says this. We hold these truths to be self-evident. That all men are created equal. That they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. That among these are life liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. That whenever any form of government becomes destructive to these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to effect their safety and happiness. Well, most of us don't consider the Declaration of Independence when we think of happiness or what it means to be happy. Yet, uh, this idea of uh, the pursuit of happiness, it strikes a chord with us in a very deep way. Why? Because all of us want to be happy. All of us want to be happy. And when there's things that come into our life that we perceive as a threat to us being happy, uh, we are like the Terminator. That we begin to terminate those things in our life. Uh, why? Because uh, they don't make us happy. We strike back at our jobs by quitting uh, the moment we feel that we're not happy. 
We strike back at those who threaten the happiness of our families by getting in their face and taking them to court. Then when the work we do at school as students, when it seems too difficult, we think that it impedes our happiness. So in our constant pursuit of happiness, we then go to great lengths to create an atmosphere where we believe that happiness can be attained. Huh. Uh, there's the move, uh, there's the old movie now uh, called Happy Feet. Remember that? Uh, about the penguin uh, mumble whose dancing feet became so contagious that it changed the attitude of other penguins who had uh, bad attitudes. But the question is, how do you feel when you can't dance? And then there is this proverbial happy hour. It is a time of day after work when the price of alcoholic beverages is reduced and they offer us hors d'oeuvres free of charge. But what do you do when you have to Stay at work late and miss happy hour. You see, some people experience happiness when they are receiving a praise and accolades from others. But what happens to your happiness when no one tells you that, that you are doing a great job? What happens to your, your happiness when everyone is not saying, oh man, this is absolutely great. What happens to your happiness then? Turn with me to Psalm chapter 1, verse 1. Psalm chapter 1, verse 1. The psalmist says here, Blessed or happy is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked or the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. So how do we describe happiness? Uh, folks describe and define happiness in different ways. Uh, the Oxford Dictionary defines happiness as a feeling uh, or showing pleasure or contentment. Aristotle says that some people of means equate being happy with the amount and level of honor that they receive. So in other words, folks, uh, some folks who have money, their idea of happiness is when everyone else simply honors them. And then that great uh, psalmist of our society, Pharrell Williams, states in his song, song Happy, clap along if you feel like a room uh, without a roof. Because I'm happy, he says. A clap along if you feel like happiness is the truth because I'm happy. 
The idea, therefore, behind many definitions and descriptions of happiness is the intense desire to experience pleasure, contentment, and joy. So in other words, when someone says that I'm just not happy, what they're saying is I'm not having fun right now. When folks says that you don't make me happy, what they're saying is that you are not giving me pleasure. In other words, I, de I derive my happiness out of you giving to me pleasure and contentment. So when someone says that they're not happy, when they're not experiencing joy or pleasure, uh, they are not experiencing what I call the feel-goods. Some folks believe that when they're happy that they're getting chill bumps up and down their back. Uh, now I'm happy. Happiness then becomes a search for an experience of fun or joy. In other words, I'm gonna, uh, all of my life, I'm going to search for, for fun and for joy uh, and for a good time uh, regardless of what it costs. Some folks, as a matter of fact, they will go to the extent to try to be so happy that they'll take drugs. That they'll drink alcohol. Why? Because when they take drugs or when they drink alcohol, uh, they feel what? They feel good. Not knowing all at the same time while they're feeling good that they are destroying themselves. In the book Unshakable Truth, J.P. Moreland is quoted as saying this, and I quote, If happiness is having an internal feeling of fun or pleasurable satisfaction... And if it is our main goal, where will we place our focus all day long? The focus will be on us, and the result will be a culture of self-absorbed individuals who can't live for something larger than we are. So in other words, uh, again, he's also saying that uh, if we are focused on self-contentment all of our life, then our main goal will be on me. Our main goal will be on me. That we can never do anything unless we ask the question, well, what do I get out of it? Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, and that you need X, Y, and Z, but what do I get out of it? In other words, uh, if you don't make me happy for helping you, then I'm not going to help you. Why? Because I'm walking around here living in my own world. Uh, people get married. Why? Because they think uh, that they can finally be, you go ahead, go ahead and say that word. What is that word? Happy. Oh, I know now that I've been miserable all of my life. And then once I get connected with this man, or once I get connected with this woman, then I'm going to be happy. Well, newsflash. If you were not happy before you got married, you're going to be miserable once you get married. Because I've seen some people who were happy before they got married, and then when they got married, uh, you know what I'm saying? I ain't got to say anything else. Other folks, uh, they say that uh, especially kids, they believe that, you know, mom and dad, I just want to be happy and I just want to have fun all the time. And they think it is the parent's responsibility to be their camp counselor.
I may not know much in this life, but one thing I know for sure, and that is, ain't no man or woman, child, boy or girl on this planet will be able to make you happy. If you are not happy, it is because of something that's not right between you and God. If you think this is true, that someone else makes you happy, then you are in for a rude awakening. But true happiness is contingent upon uh, one fact, one very important fact, and here it is. We are happy when we are fully connected with the Lord. True happiness can only be attained by being fully connected with the Lord. Psalm chapter 1 verse 1, again it says, blessed or happy is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinner, nor sit in the seats of scoffer. You will notice that in our Bible uh, that you see the word blessed there, that it appears and not the word happy. Uh, some uh, uh, translations, uh, they literally uh, translate that word as happy. Uh, so, uh, but we know for a fact that in certain contexts that you can uh, translate uh, that word which is blessed as happy. And if you uh, are not with me, just hang on for a second. I'll get you there in a second. So as we, uh, as we move forward, understand uh, that when I speak of a biblical view of happiness, now what did I say? What kind of happiness am I talking about? Am I just talking about that regular, oh, that man or that woman going to make me happy kind of jump? No, I'm talking about a biblical view of what? Biblical view of happiness. And we refer to that as being blessed. Or being in the state of blessedness. Blessedness is the condition or state of being uh, in which you are in God's grace and in his favor. Uh, you hear what I'm saying? Uh, blessedness is a state of being in which you are in God's grace and in his favor. And I would go on to say uh, that you also know it as well. So God, he continuously uh, gives to us what we don't deserve. But because of that uh, unending relationship we have with God through Jesus Christ, our Lord, uh, that we know that we can walk in strength. So if you know Jesus Christ, guess what? You know happiness. If you know Jesus Christ, you know happiness happiness now wait a minute I, I hear you I hear you out there someone someone just said in their mind I know Jesus but I ain't happy and I'm gonna tell you you don't know Jesus like you should know him and that's why you're not happy and the fact remains is that when God gives us his grace, when God gives us his favor, it is a state of being. That's what you are. And the reason that you're not happy, because you don't understand this state of blessedness that you already have. Imagine if you would, uh, that you 
are face to face with a bear in, in the forest. And this bear is coming at you. But yet you are equipped with bear repellent. I'm not sure if you know what bear repellent is. It is a true thing. It's like a big canister of mace that bears that they can't stand it. And when they get a certain amount of distance from you, you take this canister and you just spray it all in their nose. And, and trust me, they won't come running to you. They'll run away from you. Well, I don't know that from experience. This is what I heard. Amen. Uh, ain't been there. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And don't want to go there. I'm just telling you what I've heard and for that matter, even what I've seen. So imagine you have a bear approaching you, right? And, and he's, he's charging at you. And you have this big giant canister of bear repellent at your side. But he's coming to you, but you never reach for it. Because you know you don't even know that you have it. Or somehow you've been so distracted by so much other stuff that you can't even remember that you have it. You see, this is what uh, the grace and favor is. It is a state of being. This is what you have. And when you walk in God's grace, and when you walk in God's favor, uh, you're not going to experience chill bumps going up and down your back all the time. It's not going to always make you run and shout all over the church or even when you get home. No, 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 no. It is just simply who you are and how you operate in God's grace and in God's favor. So if you are a Christian, understand, however, that every aspect of your life should be thought of as being in this state of happiness and being in this state of blessedness because of Jesus Christ and Christ alone. To be happy in terms of the way of those uh, outside of the church defines it. It depends upon, again, certain events happening to your life that will make you feel good. I always thought that, you know, when my wife was uh, pregnant with our kids, that one of the things that will make me most happiest is when she finally dropped them babies. And then once those babies came, I remember saying to myself, I will be the happiest when they can finally start talking. And then I said, well, I will be happiest when they can finally start walking. Well, uh, then I said, I'll be happy when they, stop, uh, when they stop walking around here with heavy diapers, if you know what I mean. And then I said I will be the happiest when they finally go to school. Well, they got to school. And then I will be happy when they finally learn how to read. Or then I'll be happy when they finally can do homework all by their lonesome. And then I'll be happy when they finally get out of eighth grade. Then I'm going to be happy. And then they make it to high school. I can't wait for these kids to get out of high school. Then I'm going to be happy. 
Well, you know how it goes. It's always then, 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 and you waiting on the thin, and all along you complaining, and you're walking around not happy, knowing that you should be walking in God's grace and in his favor, and we should enjoy every moment that we have, knowing that God is there with us to strengthen us. Every moment that you exist in right now should be a state of blessedness and a state of happiness. Why? Because Jesus Christ has saved you. What Jesus has done for you is due to no credit of your own. Uh, not the credit of anyone else. It is solely because of God's love for you. Uh, even our going to heaven is not uh, due to God seeing something special in you. Have you heard that before? Oh, I know why the Lord saved me. Uh, the, the Lord, he looked down upon heaven and he looked at me and said, this is a good person, so he saved me. No, that's not right, brother or sister. The reason why he saved you is because of his unconditional love. It ain't got nothing to do with us. Can you say nothing? Right? And don't add a G on the end of that either. Nothing. It ain't got nothing to do with us. It is because of him alone and the sacrifice he has already made on our behalf. God has therefore called us. God has therefore anointed us. God has therefore appointed us for every assignment that we come across. Guess what? You're ready. Some say, well, when I, will, will I be ready? When will I be mature enough? I say right now. Right now you are ready. What you waiting on? Well, I'm waiting on this. And I'm waiting. No, don't wait on anything. God says that you are ready now. Be happy. Live a blessed life. So Psalm 1 now lays out some conditions that help us in our state of happy blessedness. Verse 1 begins by telling us that a state of happiness is when we don't do certain things. You hear what I'm saying? Uh, the scripture says is, blessed or happy is the man. Now wait a minute. Uh, and there's some who think that, why does the Bible always talk about men? Why is it always about man this and the man that? Well, number one, God understood that he created man first. Amen? That the man is supposed to be at the head of the household. Amen? All this stuff is true. So therefore, it is not that he's excluding you women or you're excluding you children. That this right here really is a picture of anyone who needs to get to God. But yet he speaks to the man. Because typically, if that man is sold out to Jesus Christ, guess what's going to happen? Oftentimes, the family will come. So this is why we oftentimes see man, because God knows he needs to reach the man. But yet, the scripture not only speaks of man, but it also speaks to women. So ladies, don't feel left out, because it's also talking about you as well. So when God is not pleased with us, uh, then we become concerned whether or not God's favor or blessing is upon us. So if the scripture says, uh, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly or the wicked, uh, uh, if you walk in the counsel of the ungodly or the wicked, uh, guess what? God is not pleased with that. And when we know God is not pleased with that, uh, we become concerned with that in the back of our mind. You know when you're not doing right. You have folks telling you uh, that you're not doing right, and you say, I don't care. You a lie. You do care. 
Because in the back of your mind, you're thinking, I know I shouldn't be doing this, but I'm going to do it anyway. In the back of your mind, oh, you care. And when you begin to care about that, what happens is typically is that you know that God is not pleased with your life. And when God is not pleased with your life, you begin to feel like maybe I'm not walking in God's favor. Why? Because stuff starts to happen to you. All that stuff is happening to you. And then you go to the Lord and you ask him the question, well, why all this is happening to me, God? But we know when we walk in God's grace and favor, it could be the difference between getting a raise and not getting one. It could be the difference, and I say could, not always the case. It could be the difference between being healed or not being healed. When we are concerned that God's favor may not be in our, on our life, then we worry, uh, then and we focus all of our attention on that spiritual deficit and those shortcomings. What happens then? This in turn, it drives us further and further away from God. You see, people who are walking in darkness, do you think they go around and say, oh, there's a church, let me go to church today. No, they don't say that. When they know they're not living a right life, uh, they, oh, I didn't even know that church was there. Because that darkness, it clouds them because they don't even want to see it. They don't want to see it in their mind. Moving on. You are happy when you don't have ungodly people giving you ungodly advice. You are happy when you don't have ungodly people giving you uh, ungodly advice. If ungodly people are not pleasing to God and you listen to their ungodly counsel, then your actions, guess what, again, will not be pleasing to the Lord. So when the scripture says that blessed or happy is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, uh, that those who are walking in the counsel of the ungodly, that they are pursuing wickedness. They are pursuing wickedness. The next thing you know, some people are encouraging you to steal. And you know what the scripture says, thou shall not steal. But yet those who are ungodly, they are encouraging you, telling you, oh, it's okay this time. And then you grow accustomed to that. I remember when I was a kid, you know, confession time. When I was a kid in that, uh, I think I was about 11, 11 to 12 years old. And uh, some friends of mine, um, uh, they showed up uh, in the park and they had all these brand new yo-yos. Uh, remember when all the yo-yos were really popular, they started putting batteries and lights in it and all this other stuff. I had friends who were walking around with like a gazillion yo-yos. And I'm looking at him and I'm thinking about their family. I'm like, man, where they get, where they get money to buy all those yo-yos? A couple of weeks later, he said, you know where I got these yo-yos from? We went to the store and we stole them. And you know what I told him? I said, uh-uh, no, I ain't got nothing to do with that. This is what I told him. Nothing. Nothing. About a week or so later, this guy came with his friend, and now this friend had yo-yos. And I said, don't tell me, you guys stole these as well? They said, yeah, we just walked right out of the store. And then I said, huh. I said, huh. And then about a week later, uh, the first guy, he came back to me and says, hey, Dave, I'm, I'm going to... Uh, this store, I'm going to the store again to steal some yo-yos. Do you want to go? You know what I said then? I said, okay. Because I saw that they didn't get caught. Well, lucky me, 
I go. I go with him to the store. I'm not sure, Deborah, you remember the store used to be over there at William off of uh, 79th near uh, uh, State Street, uh, down, and uh, maybe it was 76th State Street. We walked over there, and uh, so he shows me how to, you know, you know, get it together. Actually, it was not that store. Actually, it was the, the Jewel, at that time, they call it the Grand Bazaar, right? Uh, we were on 87th Street. So, yeah, we walked from the house all the way to 87th Street to steal yo-yos. So what happens is we, we walk into the store, and, um, and the guy on the way there, he encouraged me. He shows me how to do it. This is the way you do it, and you just walk right out of the store. I'm like, got it. I get in there. Everybody, they get their goods. They walk out, and I'm smiling. I'm like everybody else. I get ready to walk out, and guess what happened? They grabbed me. And I'm like, well, at first, the first thing I said was, not I'm sorry. Why didn't you get them? So the guy, he took me upstairs. He took me upstairs in their security office. I'm like, oh, boy, my goose is cooked. So he asked for my home phone number. I gave him the wrong number. They said, young man, this is the wrong number. We need to call your house. And this was one time that I have to admit that God's grace was with me because over the course of about 45 minutes or so, he called repeatedly. And out of all them people in my house, wasn't nobody home. So I'm shaking, literally. When people say shaking in their boots, I was shaking in my, in my, uh, uh, my pro-kids gym shirt. I didn't have Converse's, right? Uh, they, my parents wouldn't buy me Converse because they were $12. That was too much money. And so I'm shaking in my uh, offshoot Converse gym shoes with a little, uh, little cushion on the back of them. You know what I mean? And uh, I'm shaking. And then the guy, he says, well, we can't hold you any longer. He says, but I tell you what, you better not ever, ever again come in this store. I'm like, I'm like, thank you, Jesus. About a week and a half later, my mother, she comes to me. And of course, this is right at the front of my mind. She comes to me. She says, David, get your stuff on. We've got to go to the store. And I asked her the question, well, which store are we going to? <laughs> she said, well, I just need to run up here to the, to, to, to the Jewel Grand Bazaar right quick. I'm like, oh, Jesus. And you ever wanted to know if I was saved or not? At that time, as much as I called on the name of Jesus, at that time, someone would have said, yeah, he's saved. So I asked my mom, I said, okay, and she made me go too. I said, no, I don't want to go. She made me go. And I'm like, okay, that's what I said. I said, oh, God, right? And, and, and I said, I asked my mom, okay, what, what do you want from the store? What do you get? Well, I come here to get this. And then we're walking in the store. I'm like, I said, give me the list, right? And she gives me the list. And I'm running around the store real quick. I said, Ma, I got everything. Let's get lost. She said, wait a minute. I forgot one more thing. I'm like, oh, I said, what is it? And she says, I forgot something. So I had to go, ran all the way to the other side of the store. And I'm like, um, you know, you think I sweat now. You know, I, I was just, you know, I was just out of it. It was porn. Come on, help me preach this now. So the bottom line is, there was a progression. This is what I'm saying. You see, when you start hanging around an onion, sooner or later, you start smelling like an onion. So if you look at the scripture now, about the scripture, do you see the progression? First, it says, blessed is the man who walks not, right? In the counsel of the ungodly. So in other words, it says, don't listen to their advice. The second it says, 
nor stands in the way of sinners. Right? It's not, it's not saying to literally go block their way. What it's saying that, uh, th that you begin to kind of like acting like them. Acting out. That's what it's saying. Standing in the way. Acting like sinners. So first you start listening to them. And then you start acting like them. And then it says, uh, or sit, sitting in the seat of the scoffer. So now you're sitting in the seat. You become a scoffer. You're just like everybody else. You see, the more we listen to what it, the ungodly says, the more you begin to act like them. The more you begin to act like them, sooner or later, the more you, bec uh, you become that person. Uh, they want to disciple you straight down into darkness. This is why discipleship and the church family are so necessary for your spiritual growth and maturity. Yes, it can be done at home, but uh, the support of the larger Christian community adds to your strength. We need one another. You are your happiest when you don't operate with the ungodly advice of the wicked, nor acting like them and not becoming that person who goes on to repeat that entire cycle in the lives of other folks. Quickly, happiness means we delight in the Lord. Verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Uh, these actions of the happy and blessed, that they contrast the actions of the ungodly. It begins here in verse 2 with the word but. Amen? You see that? It delivers a contrast or the opposites. It tells us in verse 2. That if you are of God and you're living according to his ways, that you live in opposition to the wicked. That you live in opposition to the sinners. That you live in opposition to the scoffers. When we are so delighted to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ, uh, we just love to hear his words. We delight in his words. It's truly his words that sustain us when we are faced with trials that we cannot overcome. Today, many of our electronic devices have rechargeable batteries, and they need to be recharged regularly. But one thing you know uh, that uh, if you're going to use it again, you need to charge it again. Right? Uh, so in other words, uh, when you finish and you know your battery is going low, you can't go to sleep at night and not charge the thing. Why? Because if you don't keep your battery charged, what will happen eventually, you will not have any energy or any strength uh, to, to make a, a phone call one day. Or did you know that even all the electronic devices, even if you don't use them, that the battery is still dwindling away? You don't even have to use it, and, and the battery will just dwindle away. But what happens to us is the same thing. You see, we live this life, uh, every single day, and we think that we are strong, but when we are not in the presence of God's people, or when we are not going to the Lord or placing His Word inside of us, our battery is being depleted every single day. And as I've said before, it is important that we get to God and get His words into us when things are going well, so then when the dark hour arrives, we will have a deep well to draw from. Amen? This means we must work hard to have his words in operation in us. Uh, when verse 2 speaks of the law, it refers to God's word. The psalmist states a question, and then he answers it in Psalm 119, verse 9. He asks the question, how can a young man keep his way pure? The answer to that is, by guarding it according to God's word. 
Psalm 119 verse 11, how do we learn not to sin against the Lord? By storing his word in our hearts. What revives us when we just can't seem to make one more step? When we seem like we just can't make it one more inch, it is God's word that revives us. When we are grief-stricken, uh, when we just uh, can't seem to get it together, what brings us strength? It is God's word. What do you do when folks are making fun of you? Psalm 119, verse 42. God's word. Above all things, we must seek the Lord first and his righteousness, knowing that these things we desire, that they will be added to us. Presently, believers are steady, stable, and strong in spirit. Verse 3 here in Psalm 1. Uh, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. Your state of happiness or blessedness is something you can experience right now. That you don't have to wait until tomorrow. That it's something uh, that you can experience right now. Because if you are in Jesus Christ, it is a fact of your life. If you are not experiencing happiness or blessedness, that means you have not yet learned to be content with God's presence and his provisions. Don't look at the unbeliever and believe that now they have it made. Don't believe that propaganda. All the money and connections in the world cannot deliver you what Jesus delivers. We'll go ahead, look at that in verse 3. Look at the tree that's planted by the streams of water. So the person that has been born of Jesus Christ lives for him, and they get it. That they live in this life with full purpose. And then finally, the happiness of believers extends all the way to eternity. So you think that you're happy now in Jesus? You think that you find contentment now in Jesus Christ? You think everything is good now? How are you doing? Blessed and highly favored of the Lord. Jesus Christ rides us on a train all the way into heaven. Verse 4 through 6 here in Psalm 1. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. But the Lord, he knows your way. He knows very well that you're good to know, that you're good to go. He understands that if you are in Christ Jesus, that you are truly blessed. That you are truly happy. What is happiness? Thinking you feel like a room without a roof makes you happy is deceptive. Thinking you are happy because happiness is the truth is not happiness. Happiness is an unflinching relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That and that alone is happiness. 